We can't see it. But we're all trapped inside these strange repeating loops. Billions of people just living out their lives. Oblivious. But this is the moment for you to show us what is real. They taught you good. Made you believe their world was all you deserved. But some part of you knew that was a lie. Some part of you remembered what was real. It's so easy to forget how much noise the Matrix pumps into your head. Something else makes the same kind of noise. War. choice in Neo's life. It's not his to make. She believed in me. It's my turn to believe in her. Part of me feels like I have been waiting my whole life for you. If you want to see Trinity again, fight for her! Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Turek and Derek Wong. This is the final episode of the year, and tonight we will be discussing Lana Wachowski's The Matrix Resurrections, the fourth installment of The Matrix series, starring Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, Jessica Hennick, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Jonathan Groff, and Neil Patrick Harris. So one of the biggest releases of the year, we're saving it for last, one of the most divisive movies of the year, hot takes on both sides. I feel like we should start off talking about the original Matrix trilogy. Mm-hmm. I mean, what we think about it, what we think of the Wachowskis' works, their filmography, and what we think of the sequels, right? Reloaded, Revolutions. Do we like those movies? Do they live up to the original? And then we'll dive into this movie. So what are your thoughts on The Matrix? I can go first. I don't mind. So the first Matrix is a perfect movie. (laughs) 
yeah, really nothing more needs to be said. It's, it's fucking phenomenal. Well, I'm curious, Samir, are there other perfect movies in your mind? Ooh, not right now. I would have to think about them, but there uh-huh. definitely are other movies that reach that tier. Okay. But the first Matrix is a movie about which I would change nothing. It absolutely fucking owns. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. It, it's a perfect movie. So um, there's that. And I feel like we're actually all going to agree on this. Two and three, I think, are unfairly maligned. I agree. Agree. Two is still a very good movie, and three is still pretty good. It's definitely the weakest of that original trilogy, but three is still pretty good. I I don't love it, but there's things still to like in both two and three. I think the extension of the philosophy of the first one is always going to feel a little like weak and tacked on, but they do a very good job of extending the metaphor of the Matrix's control. And like intersecting, I don't know, I'm a Trushka doll of, of like layers of control. Mm-hmm. You know, they do as good a job as you can of extending the concept. I think it's always going to be a little inherently weaker. I think it does still work best as a one movie story. But yeah. two and three are still, still very good. I've always liked Reloaded. I think the point of contention is probably Revolutions. So yeah, Reloaded, I think I didn't always like. Okay, so the first Matrix is so good. I was so psyched for Resurrections. So I've rewatched the entire trilogy a couple times in the last year because mm-hmm. of how excited I was for Resurrections to come out. So I think Reloaded has grown on me a lot, and I'm very comfortable saying it's very good now. I do think Revolutions is still the weakest, but I don't know. I, I'm like a, I'm a defender of it. I can still say I, I like that movie. I am too, yeah. I have always loved all three. I feel like there's a lot of, what is the right terminology? Johnny Come Lately's. Yeah, yeah. We're kind of people have been revisiting it lately and like finding that they now love Reloaded or love Revolutions. Like, I see the flaws in Reloaded and Revolutions. And I generally do agree with you, Amir. Like, I think if the Matrix ended at the Matrix, perfect, right? It's fine. It didn't need the, the rest, but yeah, not at all. I still felt like the story they were trying to tell with those sequels were still like warranted for me. And I still like loved being in that universe. So I know Revolutions has this mess, but like I fucking love the mech stuff in that. And I generally like where Neo and like Smith get to at the end of that movie. So it's safe to say that this was definitely one of my most anticipated movies of this year because I love The Matrix and The Matrix mm-hmm. trilogy. I'm a recent convert on Revolutions just because when it first came out, I didn't like it at all. I was like, this sucks. And I would always revisit Reloaded, but then I would stop. I would like... Just be not like, watch revolutions, <laughs> not watch revolutions. But I mean, like, I was a kid when that came out, like, really, mm-hmm. like, I was like 16, 17 years old when that came out. So, rewatching revolutions for the first time, like, before resurrections this year, I have like a newfound appreciation for it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not perfect. I think it's the worst of all the Matrix movies, but I think it's good. Like you said, I think the next stuff is good. I think. Just the completion of that saga is is quite good. I, I think the Neo Smith stuff is great. I do think like the original sequels have their problems. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But the original Matrix like is unassailable. That movie is like a formative film for me. Watching that thing and growing up with that movie, it grows when you grow. When you're like a high school kid watching it, like a teenage kid or whatever, it's like Oh, guns and, like, slow motion and, like, all this action, sci-fi, um, with all the, like, anime inspiration, the cyberpunk aesthetics of it. It's just, like, 
the perfect action sci-fi movie. But then, like, when you grow up, it's got, like, all the layers underneath it. It's, like, the transgender allegory, the illusion of choice, what it says Mm -hmm. about, like, consumerism. And I think that's, like, the mark of, like, a perfect movie. And you ask Amir, like, what's another perfect movie? Like, he can't name one. And, like, I can't either, like, off the top of my head. But, like, if you ask me the same question, I'm just saying The Matrix. But then, like, I can't really think of a another one that's, like, perfect in that regard for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. So personal for me. So I think we're all around the same age. I think we were 13 when this movie came out, right, Jeff? Yes, yes, because it came out in 1999. Yeah, 1999, yeah. So if you're a 13-year-old boy and you're at all into, like, Film, action, science fiction, guns, any of that stuff, like The Matrix is a form of fucking movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. it just hits at such a critical time in your, like, I don't know, mental development. Like, there's no way around this movie being a huge, like, monumental thing in your mind. Right. I have uh, two, like, funny stories or anecdotes. So the first one is, I remember it was, like, the birthday after Matrix had come out and it was already, like, out on DVD. And actually, this is a question for you. Did you guys watch The Matrix in the theaters? Yes. I did not. Actually. I did not either. What? That's one of the biggest regrets of my life. Well, first of all, it's rated R. Yeah. And my parents didn't let me go see rated R movies when I was like 12 or 13 or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I was like a late bloomer in this regard or something. The movie didn't enter my consciousness. I mean, Amir, we went to the same school, but I feel like there was no word of mouth for this movie. Like... At least where we grew up, like, no one was talking about it. Were people talking about this movie? Yeah, I had the same kind of memory of, like, I don't remember people, like, and maybe because we were too young, like, clamoring for this while I was in the theaters. But, like, I always felt like it got bigger Mm -hmm. once more people could see it, like, on home theater. Interesting. And I could be completely wrong, but that's how I saw it. Like, I remember my dad was like, oh, I heard that this movie was great, and he bought the DVD, and, like, I watched the shit out of that DVD. That's my recollection, too, Mm, as well. Interesting. So I remember it was like the birthday after the DVD came out and like all my friends came over, we were all hanging out. And I was like, fuck, man, I just want to watch The Matrix. So I went downstairs and I watched The Matrix by myself. And like all my friends were playing upstairs <laughs> and I was just watching The Matrix. I was like, fuck, man, I just want to watch The Matrix right now. But then there was also, uh, I remember very, very clearly me and a friend went to go watch Revolutions. And do you guys remember the scene where like Trinity dies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a very long, very long death scene, right? It's, it's a little drawn out. And I just remember something in my theater just yelling, die already. And just like the whole theater just like busting laughing because I think we all had the same thought. It was just like, uh, this is taking forever for Trinity to finally like pass away. (laughs) So those are my two little stories that I wanted to tell, which I think pretty fun. So now I feel like it's Amir's fault that I never watched The Matrix because he went to the fucking theater to watch this thing and then he never said Jack should. never said it was good? Oh shit. (laughs) I feel like I must have. Oh man, I would literally have to dig back into the archives and figure out like when I first saw it and who went with it because I know I saw it in theaters. Did you see it with anyone? I wonder if I saw it with my whole man because I remember he loves this movie too. Okay, because if you went with friends and this movie was as I mean, as yeah, good as you yeah, remember, yeah, yeah, you yeah. definitely would have been talking right, at school about you, it. Right? You probably um, saw it with your dad. I feel like you saw it with your dad. <laughs> especially because we were 13 at the time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, besides The Matrix, I mean, I think anyone who's listened to any of our past episodes knows that we all love also Speed Racer, like me and Jeff mm-hmm. are big Speed Racer heads. And then I believe, Amir, you watched it pretty recently, right? I hopped on that train, yeah, after we talked about it. And uh, I got to say, I, I drank the Kool-Aid as well. 
But I think for me, like, that's kind of when I dropped off the Wachowski career. Like, I've actually never seen Cloud Atlas. I've seen Jupiter Ascending, but I wasn't a fan of it. Um, All right, Jupiter Ascending is the one movie I really can't hop on board with. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, like, awful by any means, but I do think it's probably their worst. Their worst movie, yeah. Doesn't mean that it's not, like, a big swing. Like, everything that the Wachowskis do is a big swing, but, like, I've seen all of their stuff. Oh, wait, have you seen Bound? Yes, Bound good is for incredible. You. I've heard it's unbelievable. Really? It's good on unbelievable. Because I've heard it's incredible, and I actually haven't seen it. I guess you would say the fingerprints of Bound are all over the Matrix, just in terms of, like, the cinematography, and, like, it even has, like, a Don Davis score, so, like, a lot of the camera tricks and, like, how the movie looks, it functions a lot like that, which is very, very interesting. Like, it's very interesting to watch Bound after you've seen The Matrix. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's really, really good. I mean, they haven't actually done that much, right? Like, it's Bound, the three Matrix movies, Speed Racer, Cloud Atlas, Jupiter Ascending, and The Matrix Resurrections. Well, and then they also did Sense8, right? Sense8. Oh, sure. Okay, television. Fine. Have you seen Sense8, Jeff? Yes, I've watched all of Sense8. I've not seen all of Sense8. I think I saw season one. It was fine. I wasn't blown away by it. Is Lily, like, not working anymore or some shit? Because I'm just seeing that- She's definitely on, like, a sabbatical. She's yeah, doing, like, other things. She wanted to pursue other things. I didn't realize that she also didn't do season two of Sense8. Yeah. I'm just seeing that now. So, yeah, okay. So, she's just kind of chilling. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So, they haven't done enough movies where you can really... Yeah, it's not, it's not like, a big enough filmography we're talking about them all. It's, like... I don't know. I'm saying you can do it pretty quickly, right? So, like... Yeah. There's, like, The Matrix 1, then maybe Bound, if Bound really is as good as you're saying. Is Bound their second best movie? Yeah, I feel like it is. Right? Okay, so that bound, maybe then, like, where do you put Speed Racer versus the Matrix 2 and Matrix 3? Reloaded and Revolutions. Oh, that's hard, man. I don't right? know. I think I'd still put Reloaded over Speed Racer, but then I'd put Speed Racer over Revolutions. Okay, so Reloaded, Speed Racer, Revolutions, that's fair. I like, I like that, Derek. I like that. Okay. I love Reloaded. There was a time where, like, Reloaded was my favorite. Really? Realizing that it's not the best, but Sacrilege. it was like, I just... Loved it. Really? Like, I love that freeway sequence yeah, so much. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. I mean, out of anything I think they've created for The Matrix, I still think that's, like, the, the best sequence they've created for well, the whole trilogy. built that highway for that scene, that entire sequence. It's fucking insane. Now I realize, you know, The Matrix is the best, and, like, I can't argue against it, and it is, like, my favorite. But, like, there was a time where I was like, man, I really do love Reloaded so much. You know what? I love that for you. I think that's great. <laughs> you were like... I don't know. I think Resurrections might be better than Reloaded and Revolutions. (laughs) We'll have a discussion. (laughs) It's too early to fucking get into that shit. Oh, man, are we going to do it? I don't know. Jeff, do you want to start us off since you've kind of already hinted at what you feel about this movie? I don't know. I feel like I'm the odd man out here. You might be. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting some senses. I know, Jeff, you love this movie, right? I fucking love this movie. It's so fucking good. It's so fucking good that this is going on my top 10 of the year. Ooh, already. Hands down. It's already December 28th. I gotta start working on this list. I gotta start whittling shit down. So next week's episode, uh, the first episode of the new year, we're probably gonna do each of our top 10s for the year, right? I think that's what we're gonna do. But I think this is firmly on there somewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, all right, don't fucking say no before like we've even like had the discussion on this movie where you've only seen this movie once. Oh wow! Oh, don't get wow. on a beer for that. I've only seen the movie that came out last week once. <laughs> Forgive me for not right. having done my fucking podcast homework. Christ. Here's the thing. I think if you rewatched the original trilogy recently in preparation for this movie, which I did. I want to say that hurts your experience because I think that hurt my experience with this movie too, because this was a very jarring experience for me because, it was, yeah. and I think this is where people are going to either fall on one side of the fence or the other. I feel like there are people who think like, this is just okay too, but like, this is very like, oh, I hate it or I love it type of deal. It's a very weird experience because if you go in expecting anything like the first three movies you will be disappointed well the first three movies are good and this one isn't so yes (laughs) (laughs) firmly disagree i understand i understand we're gonna get into it but i just have to get my point of view out there okay mayor maybe you should i mean you've already said that it it seems like you don't like i think jeff has lost his mind this is a psychotic (laughs) thing to do and uh the podcast is gonna end early tonight because we're gonna have to get him carted away this is this one this was rough for me this was rough for me Mm-hmm. Um, I did not like it at all. Ooh, I have a couple of big problems with it. And I don't yeah. think my problems are just like nostalgia or comparison to the original three. We will go into this in detail. So what did you think, yes. Derek? Um, you know what, Jeff? It's funny you mentioned that you don't think people think this is okay. I actually think this is just okay. Like, you know what I mean? I don't hate it, but I don't love it as much as I think I love the other three. Okay. Um, I, I do think there are things that I really do like about this movie. Spoilers, specifically, I think the Jessica Hennig Bugs character is great. She is like a star. She's very good in this. She's fantastic. And I love the addition of this new character. But then I think there's a conscious choice that Lana does in this movie. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I just don't quite Oh, it's intentional. Okay, maybe we'll get into it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's, it's, sure it's intentional. It's fucking intentional. <laughs> Here's the thing, like, with this movie, like, I can understand not jiving with this movie. I totally get it. My problem is the people who offhand dismiss this movie as like, oh, this is like a shallow cash grab. No. Which is 100% the opposite of what this is. And, like, I get it if you understand what Lana Wachowski is doing and you're like, I don't like it and this is not for me. I came here for original trilogy vibes and I didn't get it and I don't like this. I don't like what she's doing. Um, I get the commentary, but I don't like it. That's totally fine. It's just like if you can't grasp that and you're dismissing this movie offhand, that's like where I have a problem. And I don't know. I think there's... So many layers to this movie. There's no other movie that has been pinging around in my like brain pan. There's nothing else like it. It just cannot leave my consciousness. Mm-hmm. Like all the things that she's trying to do in this movie consciously. And it's just so ballsy and gutsy and like just different from what you expect. Like the, the metafiction aspect, the choices that she makes stylistically. You want to do a quick synopsis up front just so everyone's kind of... <laughs> How do you even <laughs> summarize this movie? I... Jeff, you've seen it the most. you got to do Yeah, this. come on, man. Basically, this movie finds Neo back in the identity of Thomas Anderson in what he thinks is 20 years after uh, the events of The Matrix, The Matrix Reloaded, and The Matrix Revolutions. And in this movie, he is a video game 
designer who has created a video game trilogy of the Matrix trilogy. Basically, it's the first three movies, right? It's yes, like, the, that's basically exactly the first three the movies. And on the other hand, you have this ship captain in the real world named Bugs, played by Jessica Hennick, and she is tasked with freeing Neo in this new iteration of the Matrix, and also rescuing Trinity later down the line of this movie. And basically, it's a love story between Neo and Trinity. Which is the whole Matrix trilogy anyway, right? Yes, like, that's, yes, it, yes exactly. It is not anyway. Right. It is not yeah. anyway from the beginning. I have no beef with that. Right. So, I mean, I think the machines have resurrected Trinity and Neo, and they're using the, like, connection between them as a power source that, like, I don't know, is more effective than just leaving them dead, I guess. So... The resurrections, I guess, in the title is literal. I guess the machines literally bring them back from the dead and reconstruct their bodies and put them back in the Matrix to use them as, like, a super battery or something. Yes. Um, and, like, the love connection between them is, like, integral to the working of this newest, like, design of the Matrix. And so I guess, uh, I don't know, Bugs, the Jessica Henry character, I don't know if she's actually tasked with doing this or she just decides on her own to free him? Yes. Okay, so I think the Bugs character is fascinating because she's clearly freeing Neo of her own volition and not at the orders of spoiler alert, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith is in this as a old lady Niobe. So basically, it's not actually 20 years later, it's actually 60 years. So Niobe's like super old now. Um, and she's the general of the new human colony named Io. Uh, Zion's like long gone. Morpheus is dead. So basically, after the events of the first trilogy, the humans and the machines came to a truce. And what happened was that a lot of the humans were allowed to unplug in revolutions, like they said, like, we're going to give you the choice. You can unplug from the Matrix. But what happens was a lot of people also decided to stay in the Matrix. But the number of people who stayed in the Matrix was not enough to power, like, the machine world or whatever. So the machine world, there was, like, a civil war. There were, like, machines fighting machines. And now they're like machines siding with the humans, which I think is very, very interesting. Yeah. And I think this is where like the movie makes like an interesting point about like the difference between like victory and peace, right? Like, cause Niobe wants to keep this peace, but I think Bugs realizes that like keeping this peace does not mean that the humans are free, right? This is not a victory. This is just a truce between the machines and the humans. So she goes, to free Neo when she realizes that he's still alive, which I think is fascinating. Another thing I think is is interesting is that, like, if you contrast this with The Force Awakens, which is kind of similar. All right, so first of all, like, if if this was, like, a Force Awakens situation, and, like, this was not a Alana Wachowski movie, and it was, like, whoever was going to pick up the reins on it, well, what's his name, Zach Penn, if they did this as, like, a prequel like they wanted to with, like, a Morpheus prequel or whatever. I think I would have liked that, right? Like, just like I like The Force Awakens, where it's just giving you things off a checklist that you love from the original Matrix. Uh, you know, like bullet time, all the slow motion, the martial arts, maybe bringing like Yuan Wu Ping back for like choreographer, all that stuff. I, I probably would have eaten that up. I probably would have loved that. But I do feel like in the end, it would have been kind of an empty experience like The Force Awakens was. And I think this is just 
a much more interesting experience where it purposefully does not give you what you're looking for in a Matrix movie to make you think about the place of the Matrix in our pop culture landscape. And it's just Lana's passionate, earnest reclamation of the story that's been co-opted and, you know, warped beyond its original meaning. For example, the red pill, blue pill terminology, and at the same time, I think it's this very incisive commentary on the state of art right now. And, and, you know, these endless loops of IP, legacy sequels, and these cheap plays for nostalgia, I think it's just so, so clever. I absolutely agree with that. This is like the thing I'm struggling the most, I think, with this movie, is that I understand that's what she's trying to do. Like, it feels so much like not The Matrix that it's evident that's what she's trying to do. But I struggle with the fact that she still puts so much of the Matrix in this that seems to weigh it down and like detract from that that message, right? What do you mean? Like the idea of Morpheus, the idea of Agent Smith. No offense to those actors. Those actors are great. Those characters were like nothing to me. This Morpheus was like a pale comparison to... Lawrence Fishman's Morpheus. In the end, I didn't actually think he needed to exist in this movie. Only because you already have an analogous character in the Bugs character, right? Bugs is Morpheus in this movie. I don't disagree. I do think that Morpheus in this movie, um, played by Yaya Abdul-Mateen, and Smith in this movie, played by Jonathan Groff, I think they are a little redundant. Yeah, they're a bit extraneous. Because they make it a point to say that this new iteration of Morpheus is... A hybrid, right? A hybrid of the actual real-life Morpheus and Smith as like a thought experiment that Neo does. All right, let let me get this out of the way first, because I think the modal rescue is fucking phenomenal. Mm -hmm. That opens this movie. I think it's smart. It's very, like, Inception-like. Hell yeah. It's like code within the Matrix code infiltrating that I think is really, really fucking cool. But I I do agree. I think having both him and Smith is a little muddled. I don't mind that. I liked both of their performances. I actually love Jonathan Groff as uh, new Smith. I think he's really doing something interesting here. He's okay. It's fine. But (laughs) it's not Hugo Weaving. It's not Lawrence Fishburne. They just, these guys just don't have I don't know, it, whatever it is, the coolness, the gravitas, they just don't. And, like, maybe that's not what they're trying to do, but it, it just it doesn't hit. And, and it's not like their performances are bad or anything, but they're just not iconic the way those original ones are. Um, and, and, like, the whole Morpheus uh, combined with Smith as a program thought experiment thing is cool. Did you really need it? Does it really add that much to the movie? Um, I don't know. Well, they don't really do anything with that, which they is one exactly. of the problems that I have with the movie with, they don't do with New Morpheus. That. Yeah, um, I do. Absolutely. I do agree with that. Yeah, because th- there's a really interesting idea, right? That like Morpheus is now like program and like uh, that. One of the things I liked about this new movie it was like this idea of sentience, right? Like being able to have a physical form and like exist in the real world alongside humans, right? But like they don't do anything with Morpheus. Like, he's only Morpheus by saying he's Morpheus, right? Like, I'm a guy who looks like Morpheus, I was programmed by Neo to be Morpheus, and I'm just gonna watch old videos of myself being Morpheus. What is more to that character than other than, like, he's just a person that helps in the end? <laughs> like, uh, again, like, I think 
the Jessica Henwick character is just so much more interesting and so much more like Morpheus. Like another interesting idea I really liked in the movie was this idea of Neoist, right? Like there's people that have studied the history of Neo. Mm-hmm. And like it would have been an interesting idea of, well, give credit to Morpheus, right? Like a, a crucial part of who Neo is is Trinity always, but also the third leg is Morpheus, right? Like what if it, it like would have been creating like creating the myth for the people to believe in Neo. I, yeah, I like, get that. Like get someone that. maybe someone needed to be the new Morpheus to bring back this new Neo, and like that would have been bugs. And it's it's not. They needed like a little bit more time to kind of like just flush this out a little bit more for me. Like I think that's just like my feeling overall. We're all in agreement that those performances are more slight than they have to be. I think Jeff likes it the most. I probably like it the least um, of those two new guys. I guess neither of those are my biggest issue with it. I, th- I think the first half is pretty fun. It's you know you're following uh, uh, Thomas Anderson and his Matrix life as a game designer. And his game, The Matrix, is based on his experiences in The Matrix movies 1 through 3. And the whole thing is just a meta-commentary on The Matrix franchise and uh, artists like losing control of their work and being forced to uh, like make sequel after sequel. And It's very wry, it's very arch. It's pointed. It's on the nose. It's not very subtle. You get what they're doing, right? You get what Lana's saying there in that first half. And the first half is sort of fun. It's got the modal escape. It's got all that meta-commentary before they free Neo from the Matrix again. But I think once they free him, the movie goes a little bit off the rails. Mm-hmm. I would agree. All right, I've got a couple of main problems with the movie. I think... First of all, let me say I, I do agree. I do, I do think the first half is stronger than the second half. Just so we're not completely off yeah, off yeah. base here. I, I, do, no, I do agree yeah. with that. I, I do think the first half is a lot uh, stronger but I, I do love the second half, too. But uh, you, go on, go on. Say, say what you wanted so to say. So I think, that. okay, so problem one for me is I think the ideology of the movie is a bit muddled. Like, the message is muddled. And I think, for me, that what's emblematic of that is that the agents are not an enemy in this movie except in that little modal section, right? I don't mm-hmm. think we see them outside of that. You don't. So you mentioned this yesterday offline, yeah, and, so, and now I have an answer for that. So, so all right. So I think it's a mistake. I think the agents are an iconic villain, um, not just visually uh, or in terms of their powers and how scary they are, but also I think ideologically, like the agents are the representatives of the system that's oppressing you, right? And yes, in those earlier Matrix movies, anyone can turn into one of those agents and become the oppressor. But they did have to turn into the agent, right? They got overridden and they turned into the agent. So you always sort of knew who the enemy was. They had that uniform. They always wore the glasses and the suit. And they were always uh, sort of military-ish white guy. And the enemies are always, you know, elements of the system that you're fighting. You are trying to free the minds of these civilians and random people. You're not just like gunning them down. (laughs) like they do in this movie, you're actually fighting the system. And yes, sometimes the people you're trying to free can work against you. But when they do, they turn into agents in order to do that. It's not just you like killing random people. And I think that's a big difference from here. Because here in this movie, the main villains aren't the agents, right? It's the bots or whatever. Like the swarm. The swarm. It's a swarm mode. It's like, yeah, yeah like, like just random people all just get overridden. And it, it's sort of a zombie movie aesthetic, which I think is just less cool than the aesthetic of the original agents. And I think is sort of 
ideologically a bit fascist and sort of against the ideology of the Matrix, frankly. I disagree. So I do agree that it's not quite as cool as the agents. The agents are just so iconic. You can't, Mm -hmm. like, replace those with anything that'll be, like, as striking, right? Um, That's just such a visceral thing to see someone overridden by an agent and, like, how dangerous the agents are. But I actually really do like the swarm mode thing because, like you said, who are the villains in the first trilogy? Who represents the man? It's like the agents, right? Mm-hmm. Who's doing the oppressing in the original trilogy? And then now you look at Resurrections just to see like where the information age has taken us. Who are the oppressors and who are the ones detracting from society? It's the people around you. And I think that's where the metaphor comes in. And I think mm-hmm. the original agents, they're like surgical. Like you have one agent come in, take over one guy, and he's like all powerful and like you got to defeat him or whatever. And that is such a like late 90s, early 2000s way of looking at things. Now, especially with like, you know, like fake news and like misinformation and all that. I think the swarm mode is just like a perfect metaphor for how much more heavily the system exerts its control like how much more of a heavy hand it uses just to overwhelm you the movie says this right how do i resist if i don't know what's real so this is misinformation has led the people who should be your allies to complicit in the system that's oppressing all of you is that is that the yeah the idea okay i mean i I, I can kind of rock with that a little bit i mean it, it's it's undeniably true like you could definitely do a whole movie about how People who are supposed to be like allies and comrades or whatever are like betray each other and don't stick to their ideology um, when they should and don't actually like live out their own ideals um, or are co-opted by the system in various ways. Like, I think that's fine. I think it's a much less powerful message than just like a straightforward like fight the system uh, narrative. I think the swarm mode is also a very good through line with binary ways of thinking right which this whole movie is railing against like you got to think above the binary you got to think above the zeros and ones yes or no's good and bad art versus not art male versus female like the gender binary obviously that's probably Uh, i mean that's the main one obviously but the swarm mode it's kind of indicative of that way of thinking right like the mob mentality and and Mm -hmm. things like that I, i i like it i like it it's not as visually striking or like no it's not and it's kind of boring and and okay like maybe it's just a choice but like i'd rather the enemy be like motherfuckers in hoods burning crosses than white moderates right like as much as white moderates can be gravely disappointing (laughs) (laughs) it's just less fun to have a movie be about that it just seems a little bit like i don't know maybe a little first world problems like oh we're worrying about backstabbing that like you know, is happening with our own struggles or with our own people and, like, forgetting that there is a real enemy out there. I don't know. I didn't like that. I thought that was pretty muddled. I think the zombie metaphor is also not always. It's this weird us-against-them, elitist, sort of anti-populist, like, anti-immigrant, like, oh, they're bleeding like roaches, they're multiplying, we've got to, like, I don't know, uh, get all our guns and and make a fortress and just shoot anything that moves. Like, it's just... it. I, I think the whole zombie aesthetic is a mistake on that. I don't think it meshes neatly with the 
Matrix's ideology. Okay. I mean, I didn't feel that. I mean, I, I understand, like, where you're coming from. I'm skeptical from. of zombie narratives. For, <laughs> like, ideologically, for that reason. It's not like they're not fun. Like, whatever. I, I, I love a good zombie movie. And they're not all, like, fascist or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But, like, they can be, and some of the tropes can be very, I hate to use the word problematic, but whatever. Like, you get what I'm saying? It just felt like a misstep for me. The last thing I guess I'll say about the whole swarm mode zombie thing is that I do think it gives us one of the cooler visuals in the movie. In the sense that, like, I actually really enjoyed the people just suiciding and, like, falling Leaping from, from buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that was the one cool thing. I will grant you that. I absolutely agree with you. That was pretty cool. And for a second, they had me. I was like, oh, shit, that's kind of dope. But um, the rest of it was just very, like, am I watching The Walking Dead? You're just, like, gunning down people. And, oh, no, there's people in cars trying to claw their way in. Like, whatever, dude. I mean, it did kind of remind me of, like, what Charlize Theron does in, like, Fast and the Furious. I think it was 8 or whatever when she has, like, all You're those cars. You're not the only one to point that <laughs> out. The swarm mode thing? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I still think it's a cool visual. I mean, humans are definitely more affecting than, like, cars, right? Like, you know, people mm-hmm. like, suiciding out of a building is, like, kind of crazy. So, And, and I love that they, like, explode into code yeah. instead yeah, of, like, gore, cool. which is really cool. That's cool. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I'll give you that. I definitely, definitely, definitely Sorry, but you can continue with your other point. No, no, no. Yeah, so I definitely agree with that. I think the, uh, another problem I had with this movie, and this is something that you also get in a Reloaded Revolutions, is like the stakes in the fights are pretty muddled because you don't really know what everyone can do. Like in the first movie, it's all very clear. The agents are super fucking scary. They're superhuman. And the whole movie is about the journey of Neo, of going from neophyte to like an enlightened being who's master of the Matrix. And so like, like I said, I've seen it recently. So, like, there's that part in the Matrix where, you know, they say, hey, like, if you see an agent, you do what we do. Run. You know? There's the bit later on where they're going to save Morpheus from that building. And Tank goes, hey, like, it's, it's insane to even try this. There's three agents in there. And you're like, oh, shit, three agents. You know what I mean? It's a big deal. There's these very scary villains. And we understand the stakes. We understand agents are these big bads, right? And that even does carry through somewhat in Reloaded Revolutions. I think in this one, because A, you don't have agents. So, like, the villains are, like, these swarm mode guys, which I don't know what the fuck they are or what they do. Like, they seem like they are kind of weak and suck. Like, they're just zombies. They're just cannon fodder. And then you've got some exiles, I guess, who are, like, the other villains. And then, so, the exiles, you don't really know. Where exactly do they fall? Are they, like, the ghost guys from... The, from Reloaded? Are they like the, those werewolf guys from Reloaded? Like, where exactly do they fall on the power level? I don't really know how scared to be for the heroes in this in this narrative, right? And like, you need a sense of the stakes in order for the narrative to make sense. Because if I don't know who's more powerful than who, I don't know. Am I supposed to be scared for the hero in this scene? Is the hero supposed to be easily beating this person? Like, what exactly? Regarding the stakes, I feel like at least the stakes in this one are at least a little more intimate than okay. Uh, overall, the goals, the goals of the movie, yes. I'm talking in the in, in the action specifically, like not knowing really where anyone falls is a little bit of a problem. Um, I feel the same way about with Smith in this movie too. I have a problem with Smith throughout, actually, after the Matrix one, but I would say in this specifically, sticking to the action part, like not really knowing. Okay, is Smith more powerful than Neo? Less powerful than Neo? More powerful than like the new architect of the Matrix? The analyst, um, like the analyst, like. What exactly was he doing? What can he do? Like, if you don't know those things, it's hard for the things to make sense. I mean, Reloaded and Revolutions kind of has the same I agree. I do. And I do. I do do think they do have those same issues. As much as I love, like, you know, like the opening fight scene in Reloaded, where he's like, hmm, upgrades, you know? Yeah, it's great. That's great. 
and the chateau fight. Not the freeway chase, but the chateau fight. Yeah, one with Neo. Yeah. yeah. As much as I like the choreography and like the stylistic choices of those fight scenes, the stakes are like completely non-existent in those fights, right? Because Neo is basically God, and like you know that he's not going to lose these fights, and he's just going to mop the floor with these guys, right? And the and the freeway scene is much better because there are real stakes there. Trinity and Morpheus can't fight agents, right? Right, yeah. and so that's why that scene is much cooler. I agree entirely with you. I don't think this is a new problem. But I think it reaches apotheosis in this movie. But I, I think this no problem agents. matters less in this movie, where it's primarily a love story rather than, like, trying An to give movie? you the action movie highs of the original trilogy. All right. So you're going to say that this movie is intentionally subverting your expectations by giving you bad action. And I think that's horseshit. I think the action is bad, and there's no reason for it to be bad. I don't it's think a the action movie. is bad. I don't, it's not I don't think the action is bad. It's not The Matrix. Um, nothing's ever going to be The Matrix, and that's kind of the point. Yeah, but they're not even trying. Either that's intentional and it's a commentary on how oh, we can't go backwards, or they just screwed it up. I wouldn't say up, they're not even but, trying. Ugh, I think there's some clarity in these action scenes that are way better than... 80-90% of the action movies I've seen this year, like comic book or otherwise. Okay, I mean, if you're comparing it to like, yeah, alright, that's fair. Better than like, your run-of-the-mill Marvel movie, for example. I'll grant you that for sure. But it doesn't feel or look like The Matrix. Is there a good action scene in this where you go, oh, wow. I like the train sequence. The train sequence is good. The opening modal hack is great. I love that sequence. Um, with all the doors opening, sideways, Bugs doing, like, the acrobatics. I loved all that stuff. That's pretty fun. Okay, I'll give you the modal stuff. That's pretty fun. I don't know if that stands up as far as, like, Matrix action scenes, but okay. I'll give you that as being pretty fun. The train's all right. Is there anything else? I like the bike chase at the end. I mean, it's got the suiciding dudes bombing them from the high-rises. That's cool. I don't know. It's visually interesting, and it's visually sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not confused as to what's going on. Okay, it's not confusing, it's not impressive. I'll give you that it's more interesting stuff to look at than like, uh, what was the last Marvel movie we saw where you hated it? You, were, you, were you fucking angry with Spider-Man? Yeah, like where you were like, oh, everything's in like a fucking gray warehouse or whatever? Sure. Cherry blossoms and a moving bullet train are way cooler than like any of the locations you see a fight in in the Marvel movies. I'll absolutely grant you that. But I still think that's pretty weak tea when you compare it to any of the rest of the nature stuff. I don't know. What do you think, Derek? I've been talking a long time. Sorry. I do agree with Amir. I think the action was one of the things that was a little uh, lackluster to me in this movie. Like, Jeff, I hear you. I understand that this movie is trying to subvert what The Matrix is, right? It has this message of like, what is a sequel? What is like a reboot? What is the next evolution of an IP, right? Like, is it to rehash what's already been done? Or is it to try to subvert that, right? Or reinvent that? Or maybe not even reinvent, because like, you kind of can't, right? It's the fucking Matrix. But then, what I love about the Matrix so much is that, and, and partly I disagree with you that this is more about a love story than any others. I think all three... I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I think I think love is at the kernel of all of all, the all of these movies and I think this one just kind of explodes that kernel a little more. And at the end of Reloaded when she jumps out of the building and he like swoops in catches her and fucking digs his hand and pulls out that bullet. That was amazing to me. Like I didn't get that in this movie. I don't know. I think the love story is like 
the weakest in this moment for me. Oh, in, in the I weakest. disagree completely. I mean, it's almost been 20 years since we last saw Neo and Trinity, and like, I did not know how emotionally invested I was at seeing them together again. Like, I was totally invested in that storyline. I think the little bargain at the end with the analyst is just like, whatever. Uh, I could take it or leave it, that whole sequence. But I thought that Trinity Awakening is great. I think, like, the power of them, like, you know, touching and holding hands. I was like, I was totally invested into that. I really fucking love that. And I was surprised by how much I was into it. And I think people are like, oh, this movie's so, like, corny. It's so cheesy. And it's like, it's too earnest for the Matrix. But, like, the first Matrix had fucking Trinity kissing Neo to revive him from being dead. Like, that's as earnest as a love story as you can get. And I think people forget that that scene exists. And I I love the focus on, on just Neo and Trinity here. And I think if you know the context behind, like, you know, Lana Wachowski's career as a filmmaker and, like, her journey as a filmmaker... I think it's even more moving and and touching. And I think if you have to know the backstory of of a person to, like, understand the art, I don't necessarily think that's very strong. But I do like that in an interview, she was like, her parents died recently, her and Lily's. And The Matrix was a time when this was, like, pre-transition for them. This was a very painful time for them to be revisiting. So they did not want to go back to... The Matrix, The Matrix Reloaded, and The Matrix Revolution. So Lana was like, you know what? I'll come back. My parents are dead. They can't come back. But like Neo and Trinity are so important to me. I can at least bring them back. Because the original trilogy, like even though it's all about love, it is a little dour. It's all about revealing new layers of the systems of control, um, one movie after another. And it's pretty depressing. And then Neo dies, and then Trinity dies after seeing like the sun for 10 seconds or whatever, you know? It's pretty depressing. And for her to, like, bring them back and give them this resurrection, um, I think it's very cathartic for her. And I think it's very cathartic for us. I, I do like that a lot. So I've always believed that one of the best elements of The Matrix for me was that love story. But then also the other half of that love for The Matrix is, like, the fucking aesthetic, the visual of The Matrix, right? The world building of The Matrix. Like, it's like a sci-fi geek's fantasy, but then you also sneak a love story in there and like you're basically watching a romantic movie at times. I got the romantic part of this movie. I feel like Lana was just not interested necessarily in the Matrix anymore, right? Like the idea of like the real world versus the Matrix, the ideas of like pushing along like what does it mean like 60 years later? Yes, we get some of that with the Niobe character and like the idea of sentience and I mean, I think I've already talked about, like, not pushing the idea of, like, Morpheus enough, the fact that he's a sentient, and, like, I I don't know, I was missing some of that, right? And I think the action's part of that, like, you know, missing some of the the great action that I remember from The Matrix, but also missing, like, the really solid world building of the actual, like, real world versus The Matrix. I I did like the little touches they did with that when they talk about the, um... Uh, the gardening they're doing and, mm-hmm. and the integration of the AIs into their society. And I did appreciate those little sci-fi touches. And I agree with you. I, I enjoyed that. Um, we could have probably used more of that. It wasn't something I was like, oh, this is one of my problems with the movie. But I did enjoy the little bit they gave us. Yeah. I don't think we needed more than we got. I thought it was like the perfect amount because The Matrix, The Matrix Reloaded, The Matrix Revolutions. We got three movies of that. Right? Like, mm-hmm. 
I don't know what else you can explore in that area that hasn't been touched upon in, like, the first three movies. But Atlanta decided to make a fourth movie. Like, whether you wanted to do it or not, or feel like you were bullied or not, or, or like, you know, or whether you're making a wide meta commentary on it or not, you still are doing it. And so if you're going to do it, do it. You know what I mean? Because you are saying something with it whether you want to or not, right? Like, if you, like your choice of the swarm mode people, your choice of um, integrating the synths, like, you, you are saying something there. Like, there is a message there. And, and choosing not to do the action or, or doing it the way you've chosen to, it all is saying something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, you can't not be making commentary on the Matrix in the Matrix movie. Also, I feel like knowing how Lana Wachowski has changed her filmmaking style over the last, like, two decades, it kind of helps inform the decisions that she makes in this one, where, you know, stylistically, it just isn't, like, the original trilogy. It's not meticulously storyboarded. It's not as precise. But I think that's a byproduct of and and Lana said this in like interviews where she said that, you know, this was a time before she transitioned and like she had all these feelings of being out of control within her own body. And she's exerting control in her filmmaking to kind of compensate for that. I'm not saying that this argument like invalidates your points about like this not looking as great as the originals, but I think there's an added layer of a personal journey here, which I I think informs why things are so much more loose in Resurrections and not as uh, stylistically rigid and controlled. I get what you're saying, like you don't want to retread, but you are still going to end up talking about it somehow, no matter what. They gave us the continuation of the machine world versus, like, the human world, right? I guess you guys just wanted more of that? No, no. For me, at least, I enjoyed the little sci-fi world-building touches, and, and I, I appreciated them. Like I was saying, I don't know if I needed more of it. I just appreciated the little bits we got. I, I don't think that's a flaw of the movie for me. But I understand why Derek liked them. I can see why you would want I just want more of Saibebe and Octoplase <laughs> and, <laughs> and Illuminate. Yeah. <laughs> but I agree. I wanted more of that. Like, that was so fascinating to me, right? Like, there's machines that are, like, helping now. And yeah, I get it. They gave it to us. Like, I understand. This is a world where machines and, and humans kind of coexist now. Or at least some machines and some humans coexist, right? And so that's the mirror image, the flip side of the coin with the swarm mode thing, right? Like, where the swarm mode is out, you're like, allies can be your enemies. This this whole, you know, alliance with the machines is that your enemies can be your allies, uh, that the, there are elements of the system that can, I don't know, turn traitor against it and ally with you in your war against oppression or whatever, right? Like that—that that seems to be the whole message of that day talent. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but you guys like. There's two more things I want to talk about, but we'll we'll try to keep it quick because episode's running a little long. What were your thoughts about like using so much cuts of the original trilogy, like always constantly having the flashback to that original trilogy? Um, I liked it. Fits with the meta thing they're trying to do with the movie, but I think it it makes the movie feel like it suffers by comparison because you're always seeing the original Matrix. You're like, oh shit, I could be watching that. <laughs> For me, like the kind of like the message of this movie, you can't understand unless you've already watched the Matrix, right? Like you, to, I mean, obviously, <laughs> yeah. Like to subvert the Matrix, you have to understand the Matrix. So, like, who are these flashes for? 
right? Like, is it for someone who hasn't seen The Matrix? And well, I'm sorry to say this. Maybe you shouldn't be watching this. Like, No, it's not at all that. It's, it's just more meta shit, man. It's just more like commenting on the movie within the movie. It's just adding another layer to that kind of commentary, right? I, I don't. I don't think it's for some. What that we like it. constantly reminders of our own nostalgia. Like, like okay, so no. so a lot of people are complaining. Like, if they're playing like clips of the movie, shouldn't it be like a video game? Why is it like of the original movie? And people are like, why does it have to be a video game? Which I do have an answer for because I do like that they turned the original uh, trilogy into a video game. Mm-hmm. In this. I thought that was perfect. I thought it was perfect. I mean, what is a video game? Other than even like the most complex ones, I'm talking about like Bioware stuff where you have like decision trees and like dialogue options and all that stuff. But every video game is just a series of binary choice, right? Yeah, it's um, coding, and that's that's coding. And I think that's genius that yeah, they've made everything that took place in the first three movies and just turned it into another system of just binary choices, where the whole message is that. That choice is an illusion. Bugs tells Morpheus, "Is like you know in your heart that that choice is not real. Like you've already made that choice, and and that's like an interesting through line throughout like all of the movies, right? Because even like Neo's awakening as the One is also like another system of control in the first three movies. I just love all the meta stuff. I think it's just incredible what they do with this, especially like watching it back to back with Spider Man No Way Home." I, st- I do like Spider-Man No Way Home. I, I, I shit on it a lot, but I do like that movie. But what Spider-Man No Way Home boils down to is just pretty genius level management of IP. I think that's what that is. Mm-hmm. And then this is just about like breaking out of, you know, like Morpheus says is like the best thing for anxiety is like a little dose of nostalgia. And this whole movie is like a commentary on that. And I think like a lot of the lines in this movie is like really, really fascinating too, right? Because... The original Matrix was something that's so personal to the Wachowskis. And then, you know, after Neo wakes up, Bugs is like, you know, they took your story, something that meant so much to people like me, and turned it into something trivial. That's what the Matrix does. And and I think, like, you can see that as a little on the nose, but I really liked that aspect of, of the writing here. I don't know if you guys agree, but... Yeah, that didn't bother me. I mean, it's, a, it's another extension of, like... The Matrix has system of control, so I don't. I don't mind that as being their extension, their their commentary on what the Matrix has to do to mm-hmm. continue going another sixty years to continue into a fourth movie. I, I didn't mind it so much. All right. Well, and the last thing I wanted to bring up was I wanted to ask you guys thoughts on like weaponizing bullet time. Like, did you guys think that was clever? Did you guys like that? Oh, where he was. Uh... Uh, doing his little like explosions no where he was like oh like i found a way to stop you and he's like two words and he's like bullet time and it's basically like slowing down time right didn't love it (laughs) to be completely honest i was fine with it didn't bother me it was it was sort of like a trick that the villain pulls like i didn't that that didn't bother me so much i thought you're talking about the little uh explosions that neo does like in the bike scene at the end and stuff like that i didn't like those very much although jeff did mention something very interesting I didn't realize. So, is this true, Jeff? The dude, Trinity and you never pick up a gun in these movies? They never pick up a single firearm in this movie, which I think is very, very fascinating. I mean, I think this movie just wears its heart on its sleeve, and like that just hammers home that Lana Wachowski is not like the same type of filmmaker that she was back then. I think it's a cool stylistic choice, and 
this is actually uh, an idea of like the the screenwriter David Mitchell, who worked on them with uh, on on Sensate, um, and he also wrote Cloud Atlas, so they collaborated a lot. I honestly did not notice that either. That's a really cool little tidbit. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else you guys wanted to bring up? I like all the performances in this. I like Trinity. I like Chad. <laughs> that was very well, funny. Uh, I mean, Chad is Chad Stahelski, right? Stahelski. Yeah. Stahelski. So sorry. people were laughing. Um, that, oh, it's like, oh, the Virgin Neo and the Chad Chad. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is part of why that's funny. But, like, there's so many layers to that. Oh, like, yeah. That you don't even realize. Because, like, that is Chad Stahelski. So he is the choreographer on this movie. And he's also the director of John Wick, right? And he was his stunt double, right? And in- he was Neo's stunt double in the original Matrix. So... Uh, that's a little more meta commentary for you. Yeah, it's um, super, super meta. Okay, another little tidbit that I loved. I loved how they warped their their digital self-image in this new iteration of The Matrix. So, like, Neo doesn't look like Neo and Trinity doesn't look like Trinity. And, like, when they're in the cafe, they're talking. I mean, here we go with, like, the trans allegory again, right? Which I always think is, like, really, really great. And Trinity's, like, she's saying, like, oh... I think the character in the game looks like me. She asks her husband, Chad, like, she's telling the story, like, don't you think she looks like me? And, and like, you know what he did? He laughed at me, which I thought was really interesting because that's not what he thinks she looks like, which goes to, like, you know, like, trans identity, which I find really interesting. I did like early on the movie when, she, you know, he's still part of the developing team and, like, it's just cutting between the team talking in a continuous sentence, but, like, the scene keeps cutting to different, like, places and different characters like are wearing different outfits like but they seamlessly are saying like their lines oh like themes of the movie yeah 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 i thought that was pretty clever and i thought that was i love that because you know they're like oh the matrix is about like transgender politics and like Mm -hmm. it's about uh systems of control and it's like bullet time or whatever you know like i love like how just misguided that is because that's how the fans look at this movie like, oh, that's what the movie is about. They're trying to make this personal movie of the Wachowskis and they're trying to like boil it down to like marketable bullet points, mm-hmm. right? For like public consumption. And there's just something so fascinating about that 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 I, I really like. Like all the meta aspects of this are great. And the only thing that I come back to with this movie is that I'm just thinking about this movie nonstop. If that's not like a mark of a of a good movie, then like I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely very missing the point meme. They definitely had a lot they were trying to say about fans missing the point for sure. Mm -hmm. In addition to, in addition to the emptiness of making an unnecessary sequel, which she ironically Mm -hmm. did anyway. But, um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, the definitely, the movie's definitely making its points, uh, felt and heard. I would take this over like generic visit to the matrix anytime. I want a movie that interrogates its own place and like talks about our own pop culture landscape and, like, what it means to be, like, a reboot or a sequel or, like, I don't know. Like, the Wachowskis themselves, they've said, like, any art that you can't argue about or don't argue about is not really art. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad we're <laughs> we're on different sides. This of, is definitely art, this. then, by, the, by, that, <laughs> by that standard. This is 100% art. I agree with you, Jeff. I think what she was attempting with this, I would take this over any just, like, generic matrix movie i know you were describing like the earlier one like with the prequel and i'm like i don't know if i would have liked that i don't know if that's what i would have wanted like i'd rather have something skew closer to this i just think for me it was a matter of execution and i just don't agree with the way 
she completely executes this movie and uh, the characters and some of the plot lines that ultimately like I'm just like teetering between like I like this movie and I'm disappointed with this movie like I, I don't know where I, I I'd land quite yet with that I mean like I said in the beginning this is a jarring experience that's why I watched this so many times I think Amir you should probably watch this again because you've only watched it once yeah I, think, I do think it probably deserves a rewatch I think to sum it up perfectly is like the first time I came out of the theater, was I was a little shell-shocked, right? Like, I was like... You didn't like it. You were disappointed. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. That was, that was just... the correct reaction, and now you fucking <laughs> in, in, incepted yourself into liking this movie because you saw it too many times. But uh should go, go with that gut reaction, man. Coming out of this, you're like, this is not what I wanted, right, from a Matrix movie. But sometimes you need what you didn't want, right? Can't always get what you want, right? Well, maybe in 10, 15 years, I will have my uh, reevaluation, and maybe then I'll love this movie. <laughs> you know, like completely love this movie, but you will never know. We'll never know. I don't know. I feel like the discourse has completely come around on the original sequels. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I think, I'm saying. Maybe in 15 years. I think 15 people years. fucking hated them, and now they're like... The best things ever. I, I, it's <laughs> so ironic, because people are like, the original sequels are fucking masterpieces, and like... This new one is dog shit or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, that is funny. And it was like, dude, you literally thought the same thing about the sequels like ten years ago. Yeah, right? that, is, like, that is very funny. It is very very funny. That's why I'm saying that. Like, I don't know. Maybe I I will never say I will never love this movie. But at this moment, like I said, I'm not in love with this movie. So I, I have to leave it at that for now. I think for me. Yeah. I guess if there's nothing else, that will conclude this week's episode. Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me and my glowing review of this movie <laughs> on my blog at strangeharbors.com. Higher than um, a B minus? Higher than a B minus? A minus, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, a minus, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? Uh, you can find me, uh, sadly, uh, rewatching this movie and doing my homework. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Derek? Uh, you can find me at The World's OK Photos and Screen Agents Killed. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe where you get your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, if any of you have any questions, comments, uh, actually no suggestions. I don't want any suggestions <laughs> about this episode about the Matrix Resurrections. You can shoot me an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like reading emails and sometimes we read them out on the pod so feel free to shoot us an email actually i just don't want emails about this movie in general actually don't send us an email <laughs> i don't need fucking emails from small brain people okay <laughs> i think yeah that'll conclude this week's episode next week we will be back with our top 10 of the year um from each of us so stay tuned for that we'll see you guys next week see you next week everybody see you guys then